Hello and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But for now, let's talk about how our week has been. Well, it's been good. We've been preparing for the Super Bowl. Heck yes, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and the rest of the national champion LSU Tigers are going to be in there. Yeah, (laughs) it's basically the same team. We've got we got shirts, we got a candle. We're ready for this. Yes, we are ready for this, especially because our team, the New Orleans Saints, have not been allowed to win a Super Bowl ever since that terrible call. Thank you, Roger Goodell. Oh, well, it's fine. Things happen. Things happen. But, uh, well, we finished season four, part one of Ozark, and it's wild. Yeah, that- no spoilers. We're not going to yeah, do any spoilers. Yeah, not a spoiler kind of channel here uh i have been listening to a new podcast from recorded future it's called click here i'm gonna put it in the show notes because the production value is incredible and it's along the same line so they deal in um in cybersecurity and intelligence analysis and that's what the podcast is about it's about the uh the main headlines from the cyber realm and intelligence analysis and the intelligence community And those guys do a great job. The podcast is awesome. Uh, If you go into the show notes, click on it, and please subscribe to that one. Because it's probably better than ours. Well, I don't know about that. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not hating. I'm just being honest. (laughs) All right, let's get into what's going on. So what is on Mr. O'Quinn's radar this week, Well, like I said last week, there is a... uh, an update to the U.S. raid in Syria. So we're going to talk, and we're also going to talk about a uh, the meeting between Putin and French President Macron, which uh, if you look at the pictures... It's I'm actually kind of hilarious. It's hilarious. It's, hilarious. it's the hilarious. largest table I've ever seen in my life for two people to sit at. Well, not just that, hearing what um, Putin says about... Oh, yeah. Yeah, what Putin actually says about his meeting with Macron, it's... It's fantastic. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about. So we've been getting questions from some of our uh, some of our fans, mm-hmm. some of our very close friends and fans of the show about Family. the energy crisis that's going on. So we're going to talk about Ukraine, who'll be moving away from Russian energy. Uh, also, we'll talk about the Iran nuclear deal, which uh, the the U.S. is returning to the negotiating table on that. North Korea is continuing their missile development. Uh, we'll also get into the Olympics again. Oh, yeah. There was a, a Uyghur Olympian from China who carried the Olympic torch. That is really cool. And we're going to get into that. that. That's really cool. There's uh, The next thing we'll talk about is the very polarizing trucker protest in Canada. Very, very yeah, polarizing. And they're saying that it might hit America. Yeah, they are. There, there so are plans I'm to so, do I'm it. I'm sorry if that's what you're going to say. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think it's actually part of this so yeah it's coming to the u.s they're coming to dc well they're saying that it's gonna hit um all it's going to hit all the like major cities on super bowl sunday right i've I've heard that as well okay um and then finally (gasps) this week this is my favorite history's mysteries yes and we're just gonna tease this a little bit it's the story of the black pearl she is one of my favorite historical figures i can't even explain this enough 
And I can't wait to get into this because yeah, it's so a fantastic I'm story. Very, I'm very excited about this. Hopefully, I will be able to put in my little, what I know about her. But I oh. love her. I love her. I love her. I'm sorry if you don't know I want to hear is, all. I want to hear all your, your oh, intel her. on her. She's seriously... Well, I was about to quote somebody, but I know you're going to quote them later. So I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. She seriously is whatever this person says about her. So yes. the, end, the end, I'm not going to get there. All right. So let's get started. Last week, you mentioned the need for more reporting on the U.S.-led raid in Syria. Has there been an update on that situation? Yes, there <laughs> indeed has been quite an impressive investigation and recap of the operation that took place the morning of February 3rd. Mm -hmm. So open source investigator Alexander McKeever wrote a comprehensive blog on his substat detailing every aspect of the operation. Well, what did he find, though? Well, the operation was designed to begin with U.S. forces securing and isolating the site, then to get innocence and to encourage al-Qurashi to leave the site, they used a bullhorn and made several call-outs, pleading everybody in that building to leave. According to the United States, instead of surrendering, he set off an explosive, killing himself, his wife, and two children, as well as collapsing the roof of the third floor. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> and did the investigation find that he did indeed set off an explosive? Like, what? Well, so the details are not for the faint of heart, um, I will say that. And I'm going to link the entire investigation in the show notes for anyone who has the heart to read the full report. I know that's not me, so. But, after detailing the early morning raid mm -hmm. and analyzing pictures of the site after the deadly explosion, it seems as if he did detonate an explosive on the third floor of the compound Directly, directly killing himself and two children. So it was reported by Special Operations Forces that his wife and his main lieutenant were on the second floor, and they returned fire on U.S. forces, securing the compound perimeter. Both of those individuals were killed in the firefight. So this becomes the second successful U.S. raid on Islamic State leadership in two and a half years, the last raid being against Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who detonated a suicide vest during the raid. Then who becomes the next leader of ISIS? Well, according to an Iraqi expert who advises on Iraqi security, he said there were at least four possible successors. There's Abu Khadijah, mm -hmm. whose last role was Iraq's leader for Islamic State. Mm -hmm. Then there's Abu Muslim, yeah. who, uh, who's the leader of the Anbar province of, in Iraq. There's also Abu Saleh, who was close to the last two leaders of ISIS. But most interestingly, there is Abu Yasser al-Iswali. He had been reportedly killed in an airstrike in January 2021. Oh, wow. But one Iraqi official who had said he doesn't believe that he was killed said if he's not dead, he'd be a candidate. He's tried and tested in planning military attacks and has thousands of supporters. So it appears the Islamic State is carrying out a security sweep for potential leaks that led to the death of Qurashi before convening to choose or announce a successor. Well, it looks like there will be a future update on this 
horizon. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, no doubt on that one. And probably a blog post about each of the candidates and where they stand. That actually would be really um, informative to read and interesting, honestly. Everyone should be on the lookout for that. Um, now we have seen, have we seen, sorry, uh, have we seen any further provocations from Russia or Ukraine in the Eastern Bloc of Europe? Well, it's been an interesting week in Europe. So French President Emmanuel Macron, Macron come on, I'm trying to get my French yeah, get going in French there. French, right? Come on. His last name is literally, oh, and my dad is rolling over in his grave yes, right now because really, of my he really French. Would be because he spoke pinch of French before he spoke English. But Get the French president <laughs> did visit Moscow for a face-to-face meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. But after a lengthy negotiation, there was no breakthrough on the Russia-Ukraine crisis. U.S. officials believe that Russia has more than 70% of the soldiers in place that they need to launch a successful invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Now, some regional analysts believe Putin is only entertaining Western leaders in order to buy more time to prepare. Now, this waiting game could have a negative effect on troop morale near the Russian-Ukraine border as weather conditions have worsened and the spread of COVID becomes more prevalent. Yeah. Images from Russian social media accounts show tent cities along the border covered in snow and slush, while troops wait in below freezing temperatures that could get down to the teens. This is Fahrenheit teens. Yeah. By the end of the month. We don't do Celsius. Remember, this is a U.S. centric. Trust me, I wish we did Celsius. It would make things way easier. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. But yeah, so it could get down to very, very cold temperatures. Okay, well, are there any developments from the U.S., though? Well, are you talking about diplomatic, or do you mean the incredible oh my God. come from behind victory Shut over Team Russia uh, in, what? in, in what? curling? In what it was curling? a fantastic... Curling, yes. He, he's super hyped about curling. But anyway, <laughs> congratulations to Team USA. But we are talking about... The Russian Ukraine crisis. Let's not focus on curling. You're right. You're right. We don't need to focus. We got to focus on what's the real stuff that's going on. So U.S. President Joe Biden said this week that the Nord Stream 2, which we've talked about previously, would be scrapped if Russia launches a military invasion of Ukraine. And this was during a press conference, uh, which German Chancellor Olaf Scholz It was his first visit to the White House. Now, President Biden's German counterpart did not agree with Biden's statement. So I want to highlight an exchange with a Reuters reporter. During the press conference, the reporter asked the U.S. president, this is a quote from the reporter, how will you do that exactly? Talking about scrapping the Nord Stream 2. Since the project and control of the project is within German control. And Biden replied, we will, I promise you, we will be able to do it. That's cocky. Yeah, it's very cocky. so cocky. Now, the same question was posed to the German Chancellor, Scholz, and he gave a very different answer. He said, quote, we have intensely prepared everything to be ready with the necessary sanctions if there is a military aggression against Ukraine. 
It is part of the process that we do not spell out everything in public because Russia should understand that there might be even more to come. And the same reporter then pressed the German chancellor to commit to turning off the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, but he would not make that commitment publicly. I'm not really shocked about that. <laughs> like, why would they do that? But so with Germany not making public their plans for sanctions, what has Ukraine been up to? Though? Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that in all of this, there are lives at stake in the country of Ukraine. As of right now, 15 of Ukraine's nuclear reactors have been putting out electricity marking the longest such stretch of full utilization in the history of the country. Mm-hmm. Moscow has reduced energy supplies to Ukraine as it surrounds the country on three sides with troops and weapons, which could be a prelude to launching an invasion. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, Ukraine is still connected to the power grid shared by Russia and Belarus mm-hmm. and can turn to them for immediate supplies when there's a shortfall. But later this month, Ukraine is set to temporarily disconnect its power supply from the grid with Russia and Belarus for at least three days as it tests a a future hookup with the European network. So Ukraine plans to fully connect to the European power grid next year, part of an effort to integrate its economy with European Union countries and to reduce reliance on Russia. This could also be a precursor to Ukraine's admission into NATO which is the pressure point to conflict with Russia. Now, if Ukraine can make it to late March without having to use gas imports and there's no major military offensive, the country's energy crisis will be averted. But Russian President Putin understands this. And it is in part why I moved my prediction to a February timeframe for invasion. Well, this um, all has to have the people of Ukraine scared to death. I'm scared to death for them. Yeah, me too. That's exactly how I would feel. Um, But you know what? It seems the reaction among the Ukrainians is more of a wait-and-see approach. In 2014, a large mass of Ukrainians fled their homes when Russia annexed the Crimean Peninsula. So far right now, people are staying put in the areas closest to the Russian movements. The main reasoning behind waiting to see what Russian President Vladimir Putin will do comes from recent statements by Ukrainian President Zelensky that he doesn't see an an imminent invasion by Russian troops. But only time will tell who is right in this situation. Um, Well, that time could be coming soon, it seems like. Anyways, let's move on. You said there is an update to the Iranian nuclear situation. Uh, I did, yes. So United States Secretary of State Antony Blinken said a few weeks ago that there are only a few weeks left to save the 2015 Iran nuclear deal before Tehran's advancements will become too difficult to reverse. U.S. President Joe Biden has made returning to the deal a top priority while newly elected Iranian President Ibrahim Rassi, despite holding more hardline positions than his predecessor, is eager to find relief from crushing sanctions. The political delegations party to the original 2015 nuclear deal are due to return to Vienna for what could be the the final stretch of intensive efforts to restore the landmark agreement. The Iranian government is still refusing to talk directly with the United States, 
which unilaterally abandoned the deal in 2018 and began to reimpose harsh sanctions on Iran. Iranian officials said that the onus falls on the Western parties to fulfill Iran's expectations on sanctions relief. Well, why a rush to save the 2015 agreement, though? So U.S. officials expect Iran will be able to amass enough material to produce a nuclear weapon in less than a year. Okay, well, why is the U.S. worried about Iran's nuclear development? Other countries viewed as adversarial to the U.S. have nuclear weapons, so can we bring Iran into the nuclear arms agreement? Well, that statement is honestly very true. So nuclear power is some of the cleanest forms of energy. Well, until you have to dispose of the waste, of course. And the Iranian people are overwhelmingly in favor of nuclear energy. Why wouldn't they be? The concern, though, is that Iran's rhetoric towards Israel could turn to action once a nuclear-capable munition becomes a reality in Iran. So some Israeli officials publicly uh, characterize Iran's nuclear program as an existential threat to Israel. This is because Iran has issued multiple threats to Israel, most recently publishing a map of Israel riddled with markers as a reminder that Iranian forces can ostensibly strike anywhere they want. Also, if Iran develops its own nuclear arsenal, other regional powers like Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and Egypt are likely to follow suit. This would ramp up tensions in the region and could lead to another armed conflict in the Middle East. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, is there any solution to the situation in the region, though? Well... Barring the loss of memory of thousands of years of conflict between Israel and Islamic powers, Mm -hmm. a peaceful resolution in the region is quite unlikely. Well, hopefully there is an unforeseen breakthrough in the negotiations, but, I mean, obviously it's understandable, if not so. Um, Now, moving to the Pacific region, it seems every week this year, North Korea has test-fired missiles. What is the mood on the Korean Peninsula? Hit me up, please. Well, the mood is quite tense. So it's been a record month of North Korean missile testing, which has highlighted diplomatic failures of South Korea's efforts to engineer a breakthrough. And North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has suggested he could order new nuclear tests for the first time since 2017. Now, South Korean President Moon Jae-in appears to have run out of time, saying it is unlikely a last-minute summit with Kim or the adoption of his proposal for a declaration ending the 1950-1953 Korean War would happen before he leaves office. And to make matters more concerning, commercial satellite imagery shows possible preparations for a military parade in North Korea celebrating the 80th birthday anniversary of former leader Kim Jong-un's Uh, late father, Kim Jong-il, 
on February 16th, and the 110th birthday anniversary of his late grandfather and founder of North Korea, Kim Il-sung. These celebrations could involve the test launch of more ballistic missiles and a display of its increasing nuclear arsenal. So the U.S. has said it is willing to meet the North Koreans anytime without preconditions, but Pyongyang says it will not resume negotiations unless the U.S. and South Korea drop hostile policies such as military drills, sanctions, and arms buildups. Well, hopefully there will be talks in the very near future. Now, staying on the continent of Asia, let's move to the Olympics and some of the oddities of Beijing. Coming out of Beijing right now. Yep, there has been a lot. So we've gone from athletes exposing poor conditions to... I feel like this happens every Olympics. It really does. But the last few Olympics have been uh, Russia... North Korea, China. London? And then London. That's true, too. Yeah, London was recent. But I don't, I don't know what, what happened in London. But I... There usually does seem to be poor conditions. Yeah, did you see the ones with the cardboard? Yeah, cardboard or the events? food. Yeah, the food. Well, the, the cardboard was a separate um, Olympics. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to distract you. No, that's... I'm <laughs> distracting you from it. But... Um, I want to focus on what has happened with. I'm sorry. With no, this is with a Uyghur Olympian days after their historic lighting of the Olympic flame. So, in an unexpected move, China selected a 20 year old Uyghur female cross country skier from uh, Xinjiang as one of the two athletes to light the Olympic flame. The decision to choose Miss Yelmeng Yang rather than. I apologize if that. Is not yes. the actual phonetic, well, not even phonetic, just the actual split pronunciation of her name. We're sorry. We are very sorry. Now, rather than a more accomplished or widely known athlete mm-hmm. uh, to pair with a member of China's Han majority. Oh, wow. So it was the, the, the Uyghur minority with, with the, the Han. Han majority. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, a lot of people criticize this as offensive to the Uyghur human rights groups. Well, I understand. Now, Her being placed in that position, even I- more okay. weird. Okay, cut me off. No, <laughs> it's it's you. It's very true. I mean, I know that had to be hard for her. Yes, being in that position, and she wants to represent her country, but you know, she knows that people think in her country. Right, and her family's been very supportive of her uh, yeah. and the country, at least outwardly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, after her first competition, yeah. where she did struggle to stay competitive, yeah. and she's only 20, uh, she was unavailable to media, despite a requirement that all athletes pass through a quote-unquote mixed zone where they can answer journalists' questions. And I want to mention... Uh, athletes are not required to answer the questions, but they are required to be available to questioning. And she was not available. Yeah, okay. So then, after not being available to Olympic media, she was seen on China's state-run broadcaster for an exclusive interview. In that interview, she expressed astonishment at having been entrusted with the role of torchbearer. Now, anyone would say that. 
Yeah. No matter where they are, that is a huge accomplishment. That that's a huge honor because you're literally representing the world. Whatever you carry that torch. But the fact China did not let her talk immediately after the competition. So you think it was China that held her from? I can guarantee in you it was she's China. A yes. Hopefully that will change eventually <laughs> for her. That's she wants to just talk about her family. She doesn't want to. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I know. I know. So, anyways, China's information operations campaign is still on point. Still on point. Yeah. Moving close to the U.S., do you have any information on, <laughs> on the Canadian trucker protests? I'm sorry. I'm laughing about that. <laughs> well. Yeah, I do, um, but the reporting, as we both know, has been quite polarizing. So It has. Uh, the left-wing view of the protest is that of a violent mob with nearly 80 criminal investigations, and there are criminal investigations, uh, opened in relation to the protests, including the alleged hate crimes and property damage. So some two dozen people have been arrested. Now, on the right... This protest is called the Freedom Convoy, and the truckers are seen as patriots just trying to restore order to an increasing supply chain crisis. But, um, so what is the real story behind these protests? Because that sounds very manipulated. Well, you know what I always say. (laughs) It's always somewhere in the middle, right? So it all stems from the vaccine mandate in Canada. Now, for two years... The truckers were classified as essential workers and therefore exempt from vaccine mandates. Yet, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has chosen to order that truckers be vaccinated if they want to cross back into the country from the U.S. Now, the the daily demonstrations are centered in Ottawa, Canada, where we have quite a following. Yeah. And I do appreciate all of you. Thank you, Canada. We love you. Yes. And these protesters have used hundreds of parked trucks to paralyze parts of the Capitol for more than 10 days. Oh, my gosh. This has included the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor, Ontario, Canada, which prevented traffic from entering Canada. Now, protesters have said they won't leave until all vaccine mandates and COVID-19 restrictions are lifted. And So now, auto parts and other goods, they're still flowing across the border despite the bridge delays. However, trucks had to travel almost 70 miles north to the Blue Water Bridge connecting Ontario to Michigan. Oh, wow. Authorities at that bridge reported a nearly three-hour delay for trucks to cross. In order, in total, sorry, in total, the trip will take more than five hours longer than normal. Oh, gosh. The protesters have vowed not to leave until all vaccine mandates and COVID-19 restrictions are lifted. There has been some reporting of far-right white supremacists leading the protests, carrying signs with swastikas, as well as defacing the statue of the great Canadian cancer activist, Terry Fox. I'm not quite sure what Canadian cancer activist Terry Fox has to do with this, but okay. That does not... Bode well for our current supply chain issues. And I am not laughing because I think it's funny. I kind of giggle whenever I get uncomfortable about things. So just to let my listeners know, if you hear me giggle about things that sound inappropriate, it's not because I think it's funny. It's because that's just, if I'm not 
joking about things. I'm giggling about them to make it easier. More palatable. But anyways, that does not bode well for our current supply chain issues. But if anyone can come to a peaceful resolution, it's our good friends to the north. Have we reached my favorite time of the week? Let me know. Let me know if I've if we've reached my favorite time of the week, please. Well, let me see. Let me go over my notes here. Yep. It is that time. Hot dog. So, it's that time of the week. It is History's Mysteries. And this week, continuing our celebration of Black History Month. My girlfriend. Here in the U.S. I love her. There's another story of maybe the most famous spy of all time. And I know, personally, a favorite of yours. Yes. The Black Pearl. Mrs. Josephine Baker. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we are finally talking about her. I love Josephine Baker. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Josephine Baker was an iconic singer and dancer. She was best known for her entertainment career that spanned five decades. But she was also an agent for French intelligence during World War II. Yes. She's a naturalized citizen of France. Yes. I might be interjecting a couple times because I have right so much about her. I love her. You're you guys are gonna like this because Tiana's gonna be all over it. Well, I'm not gonna dive too into anything outside of what you're talking about because I don't think that's appropriate. But if you are curious after this, you should read about her because like Another famous historical figure who will mention her, she really, truly is one of the most fascinating women of all time. I'm pretty sure I'm not quoting him correctly, but you get the gist. Oh, we're going to get into it. Let's get into it. So it was Frida Josephine McDonald, famously known as Josephine Baker. Maybe I just love Frida's. Born on June 3rd, 1906 in St. Louis, Missouri. Now... What Tiana was talking about Mm. is how Ernest Hemingway called her the most sensational woman anyone ever saw. He's not wrong. And he would know. He would know. Because he spent hours talking with her in Paris bars. And not just that, like any compliment that Ernest Hemingway gave, it was not easily attained. He didn't just hand those out willy nilly. He thought he was the greatest he thing that happened. He, he was pretty great, but I feel like <laughs> I really want to hear you do your Ernest. No, I won't do it. I won't he do does, it. Now. He does an amazing Ernest Hemingway impression. There is a guy that does an amazing Ernest Hemingway. Talking about Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll in Midnight in Paris. Go watch. I might even link that in the show notes because yeah. that movie's incredible. But all they have is Josephine Baker dancing. Yeah, but it's still a great movie. Yeah, okay. it is. It is. Oh, but and I she mean, was hold so. On. But hold on, Woody, whatever his name is, Woody Allen. Yeah, Woody. I'm not a big fan of Woody he's a Allen. He's a crap. Okay, but to be Midnight in Paris. I will. I will. I've just That's decided. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Go watch it. He hates Woody Allen, honestly. But it's my movie, favorite movie. But he does like that movie. Okay, he's not going to lie. Okay. Now, yeah, Hemingway said she was great. That's fine. Sensational. Get Sensational. Right. I'm sorry I'm interjecting so much. I just have like a lot of opinions about this. But not even just Hemingway. Picasso drew paintings depicting her beauty. I'm not shocked. Now, we're talking about spying. So, she's beautiful. Yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. She's she, it wasn't just 
how beautiful she was. Listen to this. Okay, and this is awesome. In September 1939, so France declared war Mm -hmm. on Germany in response to the invasion of Poland. So Baker was recruited by French military as an honorable correspondent to the military intelligence. Uh, Her fame enabled her to rub soldier... Shoulders. Shoulders. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Soldiers and soldiers. Well, she was rubbing shoulders with soldiers (laughs) from high-ranking Japanese officials to Italian bureaucrats, which she then reported to French authorities. She attended parties and gathered information at the Italian embassy without raising any suspicion. As an entertainer, Baker had an excuse for moving around Europe, visiting neutral nations such as Portugal as well as some in South America. She had notes written in invisible ink on her sheet music. She pinned those notes with the information she gathered inside her underwear, counting on her celebrity to avoid a strip search. Spoiler alert, she did avoid it. Now, as Nazi troops marched down the Champs-Élysées and occupied her Paris home, Baker hid refugees and French resistance members in her new home, a chateau, 300 miles to the southwest. Which I could tell you guys so I drop, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Another blog. Another blog. <laughs> so, in North Africa, she worked with the French Resistance Network and used her connection to secure passports for Jews fleeing the Nazis in Eastern Europe until she was hospitalized with periantitis in June 1941. Now, fast forward to current times. August 2021. I love this part. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, the same one meeting with Putin at the large table, announced that... (laughs) Did you have something to say? I wanted to say about like the meeting with Russia and the French president and everything. Um, Russia came out and said that they couldn't actually make any deals because... Because French, the French are not like top of. <laughs> they don't control NATO. NATO. They yeah. don't control NATO. <laughs> it was so backhanded. Well, not even just backhanded. It was just. No, it was, up. yeah, straight up Vladimir Putin. I, I, I thought you were going to mention that. And so. It, no, this is a great time to bring it up. I'm glad you read that uh, yeah, stuff. I yeah. Read that. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I actually read. <laughs> <laughs> now, that same president, yes. Macron. Yeah. Announced that uh, her remains would be reburied in this. the Pantheon in November of 2021, yes. following a petition and continued request from Baker's family since 2013. I can't believe it took that long, though. I uh, know. So it was later announced that uh, it was a symbolic casket containing soil from various locations that Baker had lived to include St. Louis, Paris, the south of France, and Monaco which would be carried by the French Air and Space Force in a parade in Paris before a ceremony at the Pantheon where the casket will be interned. So at this time, her original sheet music that we talked about earlier, yes, it is on display in Washington, D.C. at the Spy Museum's Who Would Have Guessed It experience. We know. <laughs> We're, we are members of that. Obviously. That, if no, if that, any museum we're members of, it yeah, would be the Spy the, Museum. The Spy Museum, it's a 
wonderful interactive museum, by the way, guys. If you decide to go, it's wonderful. It if could- you're ever in DC, it is it is one of the few museums you have to pay to get into. Yeah. But it is the interactiveness of it is incredible. If you it, have kids, it wasn't like that. We first, whenever they first opened, I remember us walking in, and they did have like a big cutout of Matahari, which is oh yeah, completely different. But it's um, another history's that, mysteries we might get into. That's not going to happen this month because she is not black, so she needs to wait. But um, it. Wasn't as they, yeah, it wasn't they, about a decade ago. It wasn't as yeah, good. they've built it up. They really have, and I suggest and I'm so everyone go. You off. I just get so excited mm-hmm. talking about Josephine Baker. I would go off on so many other tangents, but this is not the place for it. But we both know <laughs> that without her incredible work, yeah, we have no idea the outcome of World War II, I, and her work was incredible. Yes. Um, obviously, look it up. If you want more info, you can hit him up. He, we will look. More Any, into- if you want anything, email us, yes, please. Yes. We want to interact with you guys. Yeah. But anyways, um, sorry that this took so long. But are there anything else? That, are there anything else? Are there's? Are uh, there's anything else you need to talk about? I do want to say just real quick. I think we had a lot of fun yeah. on this one. And if you I guys did. liked it, if you guys liked too. this new sort of setup that we have, uh, let us know. If you hate it, we do want to know. I, I'm sorry. Don't give us a one star, Whenever but I, just email me. I get excited <laughs> about history a lot. So I apologize if I interjected a whole lot in what he was saying. I just love Josephine. And if you made it this far, you are the true heroes. <laughs> You really are. Um, so, is there anything else for this week? No, Sarah? that is all I got. Okay. Well, um, as always, if you like this show, please try to let and tell at least one person about us. Um, we can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, head over to Apple and Spotify Podcasts to give us a five-star review. Those Help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oaklandanalytics.com. I want to reiterate that if you do enjoy this podcast, there is, I'm not asking anybody to put any money or anything. Yeah, Just sign up, email us. We want to interact with you guys. If we say something that you don't agree with, we want to hear from you. Yeah, please educate us. You educate us, please. But as always, Tiana, thank you so much for joining me today. And as always, stay safe out there.